Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. Uh, it is draft day, and the Hawks are sellers. In the last 24 hours, the Hawks have shipped out two of their six picks that they had in tonight's draft. Woj reporting that the Hawks traded the number 41 pick to Golden State for $1.3 million and a 2024 second-round pick. Uh, presumably that pick doesn't have protections, but we'll see. And Ira Winderman reporting that the Hawks traded the number 44 pick to the Heat for a 2023-24 pick that only conveys to Atlanta if it's between the number 51 and 55 pick uh, and $1.88 million. Uh, you know, it's unlikely that that pick ever conveys because 51 to 55 is a small range. The Heat probably won't be a top 10 team, and even if it does convey, picks in the 50s are generally pretty awful, even compared to like picks in the 40s and definitely picks in the 30s. So, uh, Two picks gone. Uh, picks in the 40s, I mean, those are kind of long shots. Uh, the one real takeaway, you know, other than the cash here, is I wonder secretly if this is somehow a tip of the cap that perhaps the Hawks aren't going to trade up. You know, if they were going to package some trip, package some picks to trade up in the first round, then, you know, because you're making a package... 41 and 44 won't be your fifth and sixth picks of the draft. They might be your fourth and fifth picks or your third and fourth picks. And then they have a little bit more value because you might want to have four rookies, but you don't want to have six. I think there's been some reporting, maybe by Brian Windhorst and others, that you know the Hawks were trying to package eight and ten to trade up high. And maybe you know the fact that these second rounders are going out is a signal a little bit that that kind of mobility won't happen, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, it certainly seems like the one pick won't convey. Unless we hear otherwise, the Golden State pick will convey. Um, 2024 is a long time in the future. But at the same time, I mean, if you're getting a pick from Golden State, you probably want it five years in the future, especially a second rounder, because if you get it next year, it's probably 57. And, you know, picks in the 50s, like we just said a moment ago, aren't that highly useful. And, Golden State's a good team and will be for the next few years, so maybe 2024 is finally a point at which they're not as good. So, uh, you know, if, if this is just a deal to kind of push the pick down the line and you kind of wait out Golden State's competence, then it might might pan out. Uh, but the other one seemed more of a, a cash deal, and I guess both taken together, you kind of get the impression that the Hawks really don't want to have six picks. And... I think that's indicative of maybe the fact that you won't see them combining picks to trade somewhere tonight. I mean, they still may try, uh, but maybe deep down in their gut, they're thinking that it's not going to happen. But we'll have to wait and see. Again, all of this stuff is kind of on the margins. We're talking about second-round picks. And unless those second-round picks are in the 30s, you know, most of them don't pan out at the NBA level. Uh, so, a lot of this is just stuff that's happening in the margins, and the Hawks still have an awful lot of picks tonight, 
And really, probably having anything more than four picks is overkill. All right, on to other stuff. This is our 100th podcast. Self-congratulatory pat on the back. We're not counting the podcast from SB Nation that was stuck into our feed as our 100th podcast because we didn't do it. So we're counting this one as number 100. Uh, So big congratulations. Wanted to get you caught up on some of the pre-draft workout interviews with some of the players here on draft day. I wanted to start with Brandon Clark. If the Hawks could get him at number 17, that would be kind of a steal. If you heard me talking with Tyler this week, you know, one of the things I asked about was, you know, does Brandon Clark's age matter? And the more that I think about it, if you really believe that he has an NBA toolbox right now, not if he gets better, but just pretty much as is the way that he is, you know, getting a player at 23, at 23 years old, that is, that's how old he'll be by the time the season starts almost, that's not such a bad thing because you, if you get him in the first round, you control his rights up to restricted free agency through his prime. So you'll have him from age 23 to 27. You won't be paying him as a 19-year-old and a 20-year-old when he's not really ready to contribute and it's just kind of a learning experience. You're not paying for that learning curve. You're not getting, you know, let's say only two years of cost-controlled production. If you sign him as a 23-year-old, you get maybe three or four years of production and you take him right up to his prime at age 27. Uh, So maybe that's an interesting thing. And, you know, as I mentioned to Tyler last week on the pod, you know, of all the pre-draft workouts that I saw, and again, we're just seeing the shooting part. We don't get to see the three-on-three. We're just seeing some of the shoot-arounds afterward where they're, you know, shooting and trying to mimic game situations with shots and tabulating, you know, some fixed number of makes for all of these players as they go through, you know, the prescribed drill. It felt like that when Brandon Clark was here, there was more attention focused on his side of the court. It was him and Jalen McDaniels. Uh, and presumably, the, I would think the attention was on Brandon Clark. Uh, it felt like there were more eyes fixed on that court at that moment than there were at any of the other pre-draft workouts that I saw. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of attention there, like they were trying to figure it out. And maybe it's not just that they think Clark is... The prospect they're most interested in, but maybe he's also the one for whom the jump shot matters the most. I mean, when it comes to post, you know, to, to a shooting drill and seeing what he can do as he shoots three-point shots, uh, you know, a lot of his offense at the NBA level, if he's going to pan out, will probably be just kind of as a corner three-point shooter. I mean, he's going to be a player who's in there for his defense, and you just try to get as much offense as you can, and Uh, He could presumably do some things around the rim, but at the same time, the Hawks want to play five out for sure. And if he's playing with Collins, Collins is going to be the person who gets the opportunities at the rim a lot. So, you know, it's going to be dependent on Clark to to be a weapon as a three-point shooter. And so presumably the Hawks, when they were watching intently, were trying to figure out, okay, what does this shot look like? You know, is this something that we can work with? And he had decent results. I mean, the ball was going in at a pretty good clip, but it's an awkward shot. Seems like it had a a low release. Uh, Seems like he kind of sticks his butt into the shot. I had a comp the other day and I've forgotten it. Trying to think who somebody, almost actually a little bit like Draymond Green, uh, which probably as a three-point shooter isn't a comp you want to get, but 
Draymond kind of hitches his hips up behind him as he shoots it, and I think Brandon Clark does a little bit of the same. Uh, I think Clark can be a better three-point shooter than Draymond Green, but, you know, it, it's not a classic technique, uh, and I think the Hawks were probably trying to figure out if that was something they can work with. If they could get him at the 17 pick, that would probably be a steal. Uh, I don't know that they want to get him at 10, but, you know, if, if he's a player that you think is going to be any sort of NBA rotation contributor, you know, somebody who's a strong contributor in the into the rotation, I mean, using a number 10 pick on them isn't an overpay. Uh, number 10 picks aren't historically guys who become massive NBA contributors. Uh, not a lot of 10-year starters in that group. So... You know, if you if you think Brandon Clark is an NBA starter or a seventh man, somebody who comes in and can contribute, you know, by all means, pick him at ten. But again, at seventeen, I think he'd be a steal, and that's a possibility for tonight. So I wanted to uh, include the audio from when Brandon Clark was in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. He spoke after his workout, and here's what he said. Well, hold on a minute before we get to Clark. Brad Rowland is saying that the 2024 pick from the Warriors is unprotected, so that's a pick that's going to convey to the Hawks in 2024. So pushing it into the future is, you know, a pretty good deal for the Hawks, and they got 1.3 million, and you know they might be able to wait out the amount of time for which the Warriors are a top 10 NBA team. So a uh, pretty good deal on that front. Uh, it's a pick that you're not going to get for a while, but. You also had too many picks, so should be a good deal for the Hawks on that one. All right, to Brandon Clark. Uh, you know, it's actually kind of cool. Um, I'm just really figuring out things about my game. Uh, you know, just kind of like figuring out things I have to change, figuring out things I have to get better at. But um, I'm not I'm not really, you know, focused on that, though. I'm just really trying to play hard, and I, I know that, you know, there's, there's some team that'll, you know, see that and just like it, and they'll want to draft me, so, yeah. You were in Chicago for the draft combine, yeah. and obviously all the teams are there. What was mm -hmm. the feedback that you got from being in Chicago? Um, you know, it really wasn't as much as getting feedback. It was just as much as kind of just uh, telling the teams, like, more, like, about me, really, than just kind of, like, learning about me. Um, you know, I know the teams are kind of uh, interested on my shot and the, you know, progress that I've made on my shot form. Um, you know, I've been trying to kind of show that it's gotten better. But mainly just uh, they just want to know, like, I guess who uh, can I guard in the league? Um, all this stuff is my game going to like translate? Um, and you know, obviously, I think it will just fine. But um, you know, they're going to have to you know see that from me in the workouts. What makes you so confident that it will translate? Because what you weighed in at two hundred seven pounds in Chicago. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's light. So what do you? What makes you so confident that you are in the team? Yeah, I mean, I bounced like between that and two fifteen all the time. I was kind of sick prior to that. I, kind of having trouble eating the week prior but um um you know I'm, I'm still really quick um I'm really fast I'm able to jump with the uh, big dudes guard the big dudes I haven't had an issue with it whether it was at 205 or 215 or 220 I think I'm going to be just fine you mentioned your shot like well between the end of the college season and the beginning of the combine like what kind of stuff do you do to try to prep that yeah just lots of reps uh just getting more uh, uh confidence in my shot too uh, mainly just kind of getting comfortable with the NBA three-point line, too. That's also pretty big. Um, it's just been lots of reps, really. Um, I've been shooting it better with the NBA ball, too, than I did most balls. 
but um, it's just really reps and just, you know, getting, getting that, that feel down. What do you think your position is at the professional level? Yeah, I mean, I would probably say the, the four. Um, I can play three, I can, I can play five, um, but I would probably say I fit in best at the four. What do you think makes you so successful as a shot blocker? You average over three blocks per game. You're not the tallest guy. You don't have the biggest wingspan. So what do you think makes you so good at blocking shots? It's just timing, really. Uh, timing and I can jump high and I can jump quick. Um, some that, you know, I can come over on the weak side pretty fast and guys don't don't see it, really. Um, I'm just good at timing, really. My, my timing has uh, got, got to the point when I can block shots people. Is there something that you like look for when you are trying to time the block right? Um, yeah, probably. It's kind of hard to say, though. I mean, it's more of just a feel I have on the court, really. Um, it's like a sixth sense almost. But, um, you know, it's just um, it's, it's a feel that I've kind of just got down from years of playing basketball. Are you expecting to be selected in a range? I mean, from the teams that you did talk to in Chicago, was there like an overwhelming, okay, like, we expect you to go in, in between this range? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I've heard lots of things, really. I'm really not trying to focus on that. I'm sure that, you know, whichever spot I get drafted is going to be the right one. You know, I've, I've heard lottery. I've heard top top 20, but, you know, I, I'm not really tripping about that. I mean, as long as I'm on a team that, you know, likes me and that, that wants me, um, I will be able to help them win games. So I'm looking forward to that. What do you know about the Hawks? Um, not a crazy amount, really. I wasn't able to watch them last year that, that much, but I was able to watch them a bit. Um, I'm liking, um, uh, you know, just like Trey Young, uh, Collins. Um, I used to be a really big Vince, Vince Carter fan, so obviously I got to watch him a bit. Um, you know, they're a pretty young team, too, so um, they're uh, definitely on the rise, so looking forward to, you know, watching that in the future. Did you get a chance to meet with them in Chicago? No, I, I didn't, but I was able to go out to eat with them yesterday, so okay. that was cool. Yeah. What, what was that like? Who, who was with you that? Yeah, it was the uh, coach and the GM. Um, okay. Yeah, I was able just to go out to uh, eat with them, and it was, it was cool. We uh, had a good talk and pretty much caught up everything that we missed from the combine. So, What was, I guess, your impressions of Travis and Lloyd during yesterday's meeting with them? Yeah, it was uh, great, really. Um, really, really cool guys. Um, all about basketball, which is what I like. Um, all about winning too, which is you know what I'm like too. So um, just lots of respect for those guys, for, for sure. You said you uh, were struggling eating. Did you? Could you eat yesterday then? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just uh, I was just a bit sick the week prior to that, um, but I, I feel fine now. Do you want to play at a certain level, like weight-wise, in the NBA? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would like to get around to 220. Um, I've been there before. Um, probably somewhere like around there. Um, maybe 215, 220, and I can probably put on more in the future. But I feel fine now, though. But um, obviously, I, I would like to put on a bit more. Yeah. Do you have a feel for the number of these workouts that you're going to be doing total? Oh, yeah. This is my second one done. I think I got like seven more. So, yeah, it's like in a two week span, too. So it's really, really dense and compact. So I'll be sure to take care of my body throughout these next few weeks. We had some other Gonzaga guys in here over the past couple weeks. Did I've you heard. compare notes with them? Um, actually, no, I didn't. No. I probably should have. Uh, <laughs> you guys had Zach here, right? Yeah. And then you had Killian for a little bit. Yes, sir. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I probably should have asked them more, but uh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't really too too nervous coming into it, so I was just hoping for the best. Do you have any good Greg Foster Jr. stories when you bust on his dad? Um, <laughs> actually, when uh, Greg came on his visit, I um. 
I think that was a couple couple years ago. It was my redshirt year. Um, I hadn't played yet. Uh, I think that uh, he like told me that he wanted to have me out there for for like a workout next year or something. And I was like, oh yeah, cool, uh huh. But you know, it's actually kind of cool to actually be here now. But he was she was working for the Bucks though right, back then. Right. But um, it's it's so cool to you know have him be be the coach that was kind of working me out here. So that was fun. We suspect he watched every Gonzaga game. Actually, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw him in the stands plenty, so no doubt. Thank you for your time. Good luck, man. Good luck. Yeah, thank you, man. That other voice that you heard asking questions uh, was Chris Kirshner, and as you heard there at the end, uh, Greg Foster Jr. plays for Gonzaga. Greg Foster is an assistant coach on the Hawks staff. I think it's pretty clear that you know, the Hawks and Gonzaga probably have a pretty good relationship, you know, <laughs> with the Fosters being a pretty good star, but even beyond that, and you you see it in the fact that all the Gonzaga guys came through the Hawks facility for a pre-draft workout. So you know that the Hawks probably have pretty good intelligence on Brandon Clark as far as, you know, trying to figure out if that's a personality fit and a character fit, um, and I'm sure that it is, uh, but you know that Presumably, the, the Hawks have a pretty good idea of what they'd be getting if they drafted Brandon Clark. On the same day Brandon Clark was in Atlanta, Villanova forward Eric Pascal was in Atlanta as well. And it's funny watching Pascal move around in person. You look at his frame and his wingspan, his body mass, and just his general movement style. And watching him in person for a little bit from a distance, you kind of squint your eyes a little bit, and it's like, oh, is is that Paul Millsap? He kind of kind of moves the same, kind of has the same body type. Uh, head coach Lloyd Pierce was at most of these workouts, and at the conclusion of the workout, after the sh all the other stuff and the shooting drill at the end, you know, he'd usually gather the prospects up, and talk to him for a few minutes. With Pascal, he probably got the most one-on-one -on -one attention that I think anybody got from from Coach Pierce at the end of a workout. I asked him about that. He said, you know, as you'll hear, that it had a little bit to do with his jump shot. You know, it kind of looks a little bit like Pascal does something a little bit funky with his feet when he when he shoots. Um, he looks like he can shoot pretty well, but definitely not... Uh, not what you'd want out of, out of his feet when he shoots, and you could you could see Pierce working with Pierce working with <laughs> Pierce working with him. To draft day is going to be a long day. You can see Pierce working with him on that. Uh, but here's Eric Pascal. So coming into Atlanta, did you talk to Amari at all? Um, I talked to him when he was in Chicago at the combine, and uh, okay. he really likes it down here. I mean, he's great. I have family down here, so. It's, okay. a, it's a great uh, atmosphere. I mean, I've always liked Georgia and Atlanta. So family right in Atlanta? Um, a little bit outside. A little bit outside. But, yeah, I got a whole bunch of family down here. <laughs> uh, what kind of feedback did you get from the NBA Combine? Um, I feel like I tested very well. I mean, that's what uh, my agent told me. He said I tested very well. And, uh, my interviews were, were – uh, he told me my interviews were great. So I just tried to show the best of me. I mean, during that process, it's, it's all about – it's all like auditions, I feel like. And uh, – at that time, you just got to show the best of you. So you mentioned you said this was your third workout. Yes. Do you have what? How many do you have scheduled total? So <laughs> it's a lot. Um, I worked out for Golden State in Milwaukee already. Okay. And then I have a workout the fourth, seventh, eighth, 
10th, 12th, 14th, 16th, and probably the 17th Ooh. or 18th. Wow. So, yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a 14 I lost day track. What is that, like 10, 11? <laughs> like, I think 9 or 10. 9 or 10? Yeah. What do you feel like uh, your game translates to in terms of the NBA level, like what kind of position and things like that? Um, I definitely feel like uh, defensively I could I could switch uh, onto multiple positions. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that's one of my strong suits and just uh, being a competitor. I mean, being a complete player, knowing how to do all little things and becoming very complete uh, at this level. I know I'm, I'm kind of older in this draft. I'm turning 23 in November, but I feel like I, I still have so much room to get better. So, I mean, even though I'm 22, I feel like I still have a lot of room to grow. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, did you still have like a year of eligibility left? No, no, I didn't. You were done, okay, was done. so you didn't I, have a decision school. to make. No, no, I was in school five years, okay. so yeah, I was, I was done. So, uh, what are you looking forward to in terms of like the summer, in terms of like summer league? and um, I don't know, that's a vague question. But first, like, it first getting like, my name called to right? the draft, I mean, that, that's very important to me, uh, for me and my family. And then... Uh, I mean, I'm just looking forward to the whole process. I mean, it's a whole new journey. Um, start from scratch. I'm gonna be a rookie, so I mean, uh, definitely, just just building on that. I mean, just just knowing that you have you have to start all over, and it's a whole new process, and it's, it starts off very uncomfortable, but I feel like uh, it's all worth it in the end. Between the end of the college season and the beginning, you know, of draft combine and stuff like that, what kind of stuff do you work on? that's sort of tailored to the NBA game as opposed to like what you would have had to do in college? Um, def- definitely change the speed, change the direction. Uh, adjusting to the line and, and just uh, uh, the physicality. It's all about physical. Uh, looked like Coach Pierce took a few minutes there to work with you at the end. What yeah. kind of stuff was he mentioning? Uh, he was just talking about uh, my jumper, uh, just not jumping as high. You know, there's no need to. So just... Uh, just doing that. I mean, uh, listening to Coach and Coach Pierce pulling me aside means a lot. I mean, uh, shows he's, he's a great person, great guy, and shows that he cares. So uh, that's one thing I definitely want to take on during this whole draft process. I got in trouble for asking this about Amari. He's like, oh, that's tampering. But he was in Philly for a long time. You were in Philly. Did you ever cross paths? Oh. Uh, uh, Coach Pierce, Pierce, he was like uh, with the Sixers as an assistant coach, and so you're in Villanova in Philadelphia. Uh, no, I don't no, know if you were like the same building maybe for a year or two. I don't know if you crossed paths. No, I never crossed paths. Yeah, yeah. He got mad at me when I asked that about Amari. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I don't think I've ever crossed paths. Awesome. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you. Take care. With the Hawks trading and or selling their two picks, or two of their three picks in the second round, you know, it might be a little bit less likely that they would pick Pascal, but... Uh, you know, something to keep an eye on. You know, one more before we wrap up here. For a second consecutive year, the Hawks had Bruno Fernando in for a workout. Last year, he tested the draft waters, went back to Maryland. Uh, sort of like the Gonzaga situation, you kind of suspect that the Hawks would have a pretty good idea. The Hawks would have a pretty good idea uh, you know, personality-wise and what they'd be getting from Fernando because, you know, presumably whatever contacts they had to to get information on Kevin Herter, they probably could go, at least at the collegiate level, to those same people to get some information on Bruno Fernando. Uh, Fernando, of all the people that came through Atlanta for a workout, was definitely the one trying to exude a positive spirit uh, you know, clapping for the other people, 
that were shooting, you know, trying to offer positive words of encouragement. At one point, you know, he was even shouting words of encouragement all the way across the gigantic practice facility. You know, there's, there are four, essentially four baskets at the practice facility, uh, you know, two full basketball courts. So he was on one end at one basket and then diagonally across the gym as far as you could go the other way, a couple of players were, were getting their shooting in and Fernando, when he wasn't his turn to shoot, was, you know, shouting <laughs> words of encouragement all the way across the gym. Uh, you know, and I don't know how much, you know, you put into that. Some of it feels real. Some of it feels, you know, a little bit coached up from the agents. There were certainly a lot of players this week who made sure that they shook every single hand in the room, including those of the media and general staff. And basically, if you were a human being in the gym, they were going to come around and shake your hand because... You know, I think they're told that that makes a good impression and good for them. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, but Fernando was definitely the one uh, trying to be a positive influence in the gym, so to speak. Uh, you know, last year when Fernando was here, his form looked good on his shot, but the results weren't there. I think this year you could see that it was form and results. I mean, he could definitely shoot the ball. Uh, he looks like he has good footwork getting into those shots. Uh, you know, he looks like a guy, I don't know that he's going to be a world beater at the NBA level, but maybe a guy who doesn't take a whole lot off the table at least. You know, can do some things defensively, hopefully, because he's, you know, maybe he wasn't the greatest defender at Maryland, but he's certainly a large human being who looks to be very strong for a kid just coming out of college. He's got, you know, enormous hands, uh, you know, good footwork, like we mentioned, and he looks like he can shoot. Uh, enough to keep defenses honest so he might be a player who can contribute in an NBA rotation at some point uh, but uh, going to the interview here's here's what Bruno Fernando said when he was in Atlanta starting with what's different for him this year compared to last year um, I think it's a lot of differences um, for me right now uh, going to this process again I think I'm a lot more comfortable a lot more mature um, I'm older obviously uh, I have a better experience I know more like what to expect now in the workouts and just like the traveling life and everything like right. that. Um, so like, like I said, I'm a lot more comfortable, a lot more mature. I have a, a better, you know, management and control of the things on there. So you want to stick this time? I'm already all in. Yeah. What do you think you can bring to an NBA team? I, I think I could bring a lot of things to an NBA team right away. I think, you know, one of the main things is just my, my character, my personality. I think my love and passion, my love for the game, passion, my energy, you know, my enthusiasm, positive energy right away. And I think on the basketball course, a lot of things with translate. I think I work hard enough, you know, my game every single day to make sure I'm a, I get to be the best player I can possibly be. So I feel like those things really translate to the next level right away, just my rebounding ability, my ability to rim run. Um, block shots and just defend on the court like multiple possessions being a big guy they said able to switch on defense on both screens and stuff like that so I really think that those are things that can translate to the game right away I realize you're super loud are you do you play that loud when you in, are in games <laughs> yeah I always been that way you know I always being a loud energetic guy you know always trying to be positive around around other guys and just you know bring enthusiasm I think I'm a that's kind of like something I got from my family. I guess everybody's really loud and energetic. And like my household is just like that. Everybody's always loud. My dad just is loud. My mom is loud. So I think it's something that, you know, never got out of me. So I always had that. You met with the Hawks in Chicago for the combine, right? Yes, I did. What were your impressions of the organization? 
Uh, you know, pretty cool people, you know, very down to earth. And, you know, I think they just, you know, people that want to get to know you as a person a lot. I think basketball-wise, they've seen you play enough. You know, they obviously come to our games and scout us throughout the years. So playing two years, obviously, they've seen enough basketball on my side. So they just kind of try to get to know me as a person. For me, to obviously get a chance to get to know them as a person. And uh, Kevin Herbert got on the Hawks' radar, mm -hmm. actually, when they were coming to look at you. Mm -hmm. have, have you had any discussions with him about kind of the process, what to expect? I uh, mean, me and him talked a lot throughout the year, throughout the season, just kind of like try to get to know like how his season going. And obviously, I was watching a lot of games, but right. just kind of like, you know, hearing from him a lot of times is better than watching games ourselves. So like just kind of like the system and everything, how he's adapting to the game, to the NBA game, the NBA life and everything, just kind of like little things like that. And you, do you feel like you fit, your game fits kind of this system? You see what they like to do? For sure, you know, i just just seen a lot of different things, especially having a point guard like Trey Young, you know, <laughs> it definitely makes a lot of thing, things easier for me. And then and they obviously having a lot of guys that can shoot the ball, like Kevin in the wing and other guys. So I think it opens up the floor and it gives me a lot more room to operate, either if he's down the block. And also I think my ability to stretch the floor, I think I'm a guy that can definitely, you know, shoot the three ball and just set up both screens and pop a lot of times and just being able to like doing those little things and also like I said before rim run you know I think I'm able to outrun most bigs I play against so. so a guy like you notices Trey hmm? a guy like you notices and thinks about playing with Trey for sure for yeah. sure for sure you mentioned this year being you know, being different what kind of feedback did you get when you went through the process last year I think you know it was just a lot of a lot of a lot of the teams kind of just told me to keep doing the same thing. You know, not no team necessarily told me to go back to school. I think it was more so my decision and just I just kind of sat down and, and just think, thought through things and just kind of like try to figure out what I stand as far as basketball and just I just felt like that was a lot more uh, things for me to to keep working on and improve in college. And I felt like you know just going back another year wouldn't hurt me at all. It would only only actually help me, which did. So I just thought that, you know, just going through that process again and try to mature a lot more and just grow as a player uh, on and off the court, I think that really helped me. So that was more so my decision than the team. Have you talked to Kevin at all on this trip, like since you've been here in town? No, nah, he just, uh, we texted last night, okay. but he just he just came in here and I was doing the workout, so I'm going to talk to him after. Since being in Atlanta, have you met with the coaches or front office staff individually? Uh, not not yet, not necessarily. I think this is not, this, this things that we do after the workout. So I think, you know, hopefully after the workout we'll get to do that. All right, that's all I've got for you in terms of things that we're going to do before the draft. We're hours away and hopefully get an episode tonight after the draft. Uh, but this is our 100th episode, so again, big self-congratulatory pat on the back and uh, hope to have you back here listening sometime soon. Thanks again for listening.